Welcome back to the RICU, where we keep you up to date on the latest research that's out there. Today, we're going to have Vias interviewing Dr. Corgi. Good afternoon, Dr. Corgi. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Thank you, Yes. Okay, so uh, before we start, I'd just like to introduce uh, Dr. Porgy. Dr. Porgy completed his residency training at LIJ Hospital in New York. Uh, he completed his fellowship training at NYU Winthrop in Long Island. He is currently the director of the hospitalist program at St. Catharines of Siena Hospital in Smithtown, New York, and he's board certified in internal medicine and endocrinology. Dr. Porgy, can you give our audience a recommendation of one thing that you do to establish a healthy work-life balance in your schedule? Uh, the one thing that, that we like to do at the Corgi House is uh, Tuesday night is movie night, so my wife, my three daughters, and I all get together and like to watch a movie together. Oh, that's really nice. And if you can give us a recommendation of a movie that you've watched recently that, uh, that you'd recommend. Oh, we just went to see The Eternals. It was a lot of fun. Marvel still got it. Well, that, that's amazing. Thanks, thanks for sharing. So we're going to jump right into the case. Um, so today's case is a case of a 51-year-old African-American male who presents to your outpatient clinic as a new patient. He has not seen a physician in many years and would like a general health checkup. The patient is not treated for any chronic medical problems. However, he notes that his mother had type 2 diabetes and struggled with this for, for the majority of his childhood. He would like to be screened for type 2 diabetes. Dr. Corgi, what patients are optimal candidates for type 2 diabetes screening? Uh, diabetes is so common, according to epidemiologic studies, up to 50% of the American population suffers from diabetes. You could safely say pregnant women and anyone above the age of 40 uh, should be screened once a year, but even below the age of 40 with the obesity uh, epidemic as well, uh, if you have concerns of poly or polydipsia, you know, then I have a very low threshold for checking for diabetes in any patient at any age. So the physical examination of this patient is unremarkable, except for a BMI of 32. The patient has multiple risk factors identified for type 2 diabetes, including his age, ethnicity, family history that justifies screening. Since this patient is not fasting, at your office, the hemoglobin A1C was measured to be 6.9, and his morning fasting plasma glucose level was 145. What is the initial management of type 2 diabetes, and at this point, what other services would you bring on board, such as podiatry and ophthalmology, uh, to help manage this patient moving forward? Yeah, well, with these numbers that you're giving me as an A1C of 6.9, a fasting glucose in the 140s, those are already diagnostic for uh, diabetes. So now that we've uh, confirmed the, the diagnosis, uh, now we can move on to a treatment plan, and, and that you individualize to each patient. So it would not be unreasonable to commit to diet and exercise uh, for uh, up to three months. But then at that point, should this patient return three months later with the same exact numbers? Or if the patient is enthusiastic and is ready to start right away, then I would start pharmacologic therapy with some uh, metformin. But even more important than the prescription for the metformin is the education to the patient that they know that they are diagnosed with diabetes, and then they're empowered with the knowledge to follow a proper diet, avoiding concentrated sweets like fruit juices and sodas, junk foods like, you know, ice cream and candy bars. And I like to give them a glucose monitor and have them check their sugars at least once a day, uh, you know, should suffice to make sure that the uh, fasting glucose was within a proper range. 
Okay, and what would that uh, proper range be uh, in, in, in terms of a patient that you're just starting on some pharmacological therapy um, just to make sure that, uh, you know, they're able to keep track of it if they, if they you know, checked it in the morning and night? What would the optimal range be? Yeah, I mean, there's such a wide variety for pregnant women that number is going to be much, much lower, 60 to 70. Uh, but in a case like this, this patient here had a fasting glucose or, or a glucose was 140 in the office. So I'd prefer to see it less than 140, you know, ideally, you know, less than 120 even because he's new onset and we have uh, greater expectations. But with each patient, you're just looking for some improvement. Okay, so this patient returns to the office to discuss this management with you. He started on metformin and titrated up to 1,000 milligrams twice a day and doesn't have any side effects. He modifies his diet and starts a small exercise program that he's able to tolerate well. Three months later, his capillary blood glucose measures are consistently below 130, and his hemoglobin A1C improves to 6.0. Four years later, however, his hemoglobin A1C increases steadily to 7.5, despite compliance with diet, exercise, and the metformin that we started him on. The dilated fundoscopy and foot examinations are unremarkable, and his urine albumin creatinine ratio remains, remains below 30 milligrams per gram. What additional medications can be added at this time to help this patient who is failing metformin and exercise recommendations? What a great question is. <clears throat> this is, you know, highly debatable, and that's what the, uh, the question that's on uh, everybody's uh, brain is, what do you do after metformin fails? And, and there's a wide variety of options. My personal preference comes from the American Association of Clinical Endocrinology, ACE, and according to their guidelines, due to the greatest amount of weight loss, uh, involved with glycemic control, they lean on a GLP-1 uh, agonist. So these are injectable medicines such as Victoza, Trulicity, uh, Bieta. These medicines will promote weight loss and uh, glycemic control, and a small subgroup are super responders. So that would be uh, the go-to, provided the patient has the insurance and the wherewithal to do the injection. Now, that being said, many patients who just, you know, failed metformin do not want to do an injection. So if they chose not to go with the GLP-1 agonist, then the next option down the line that also promotes weight loss with glycemic control would be the SGLT-2 agonist. And this would be uh, like a Giardiance, uh or uh, Invulcana or Farsiga. And these are a pill. So a pill is usually easier to take than an injection. It's still expensive, so you're going to need insurance coverage. But they're usually well tolerated uh, as well by helping excrete glucose in the urine amongst the other mechanisms uh, that can help uh, treat the, the diabetic. So those would be the top two options. There are many other options as well, but I, I would focus on those two first. Thankfully, our patient has good insurance and was able to obtain some trulicity and was started on the 0 0.75 uh, dosing and was titrated up to the 1.5 dosing and tolerated it well. Two years later, however, the patient returns to discuss treatment options. Despite taking the maximum dosage of the metformin and trulicity at this point, uh, the patient's hemoglobin A1C is currently 8.5. Fasting glucose measurements fall mostly in the range of 140 to 180. At this point, what other options are available to this patient? And based on the current evidence, what is your recommendation? 
So now you're dealing with a, a patient who's had uh, type 2 diabetes for many years. We don't even know how many years he suffered from the diabetes before he was even diagnosed. And now he's failed multiple medications, metformin, GLP-1, SGLT-2, what have you, and you're still suffering from hyperglycemia. At this point in time, I like to get a C-peptide level uh, to see how much uh, insulin the pancreas is uh, secreting and strongly consider insulin therapy, usually some sort of basal bolus regimen with uh, the 20 to 30 units of Lanthus at bedtime and Humalog or Novolog, uh, usually between 5 to 10 units before each meal. Yes, there are other pills you could use, uh, such as TZDs and sulfonylureas, but uh, those agents are rare and you should really be uh, left for the, the endocrinologist. When you have someone with long-standing diabetes, difficult to treat, you have to seriously consider insulinizing them and working with them to educate them on how to titrate the insulin on their own to get the optimal results. That's great. So uh, if this patient were to be started on insulin, which seems to be the next step, what would the target A1C be in this healthy, otherwise healthy patient with no other comorbidities? Uh, very good question. Uh, depending on the source, once again, uh, I like the uh, ACE guidelines, which recommends an A1C less than 6.5. That's the number that's been shown to reduce the microvascular complications of retinopathy, neuropathy, and nephropathy. Uh, ADA guidelines will recommend less than 7, uh, but uh, also you could go lower provided there's no hypoglycemia. So less than 7 is good, uh, less than 6.5 is better. Uh, with each patient, you're just trying to get some improvement. Some patients may never get there, but if they're working hard and showing improvement, that's a great start. Well, thank you very much for your time, uh, Dr. Corgi. This case has been really informative, and I'm sure our audience are going to get a lot out of it. Before we leave, uh, any, any last uh, take-home points that you have for us? Well, type 2 diabetes is such a, a global problem, and the epidemiological statistics are staggering. So if your patient does not have diabetes, you're not looking hard enough. So check those sugars and educate those patients and try to get them just a, a little bit better. Thank you very much. Thank you, yes. Thank you so much for all of our listeners. Thank you, and come back again to the Ricky Podcast. Please reach out to us if you have any questions or comments at therickyteam at gmail.com, or you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. We'll see you next time. See you.